Welcome to Forge by Fire. My name is Ryan Stevens. I'm here with my good buddy, Rob Hefley. Man, we're going to do another podcast, buddy. Um, it's been a long time. How you been? Good, man. Good. Great, actually. I just uh, celebrated my 10-year anniversary with my wife, which, if you know that, Christmas miracle, we made it 10 years and we're both alive. Really, all of our kids oh. are alive, too. Huge deal. Dude, dude, that's awesome, man. So that's part of your grid coordinates. I'm going to ask you, where are you at on the, what's your grid coordinates? I mean, tell me, I want to know more about, you know, your 10-year anniversary. Did you do anything? And, uh, man, tell us, dude. I haven't seen you in a while. We had a lot of marriage enrichment, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, is, that co- is that code word? Code word for SEX. And, uh, okay. Lot, lots of lots of love making there, sitting there, no kid making no. And uh, then we also uh, <laughs> sit there. I was gonna <laughs> can laugh a little bit about that. Hey, we are adults. Is eighteen and older, mostly listeners. But we did that, and uh, we went to our cabin, which was really actually nice for me because we've been traveling a lot, and I didn't want to go very far. But going to the cabin, hanging out, you know, me and her there, and just uh, went out to a couple of our little favorite little restaurants close to that, and we went and hiked. Uh, uh, Oxbill Craig, which is a pretty cool little hike. I um, you guys, it's been on like tons of magazines and people go hike it. And we did that. Just got to hang out a little bit and read and be lazy at the cabin and and talk and just kind of see where each other was at. And that was a man, huge dude, deal. Absolutely, man. Dude, 10 years is huge. I think uh, we live in a society right now that people jump in and out of marriage with ease. And I think the hard, the hard road is to stick with it. You know, and that's what we're going to kind of talk about today is also the complacency, the fight complacency stay on it, man. What about um, uh, did, did something you did? Did you get another uh, win another trip or something like that? Yo, uh, yeah, we on our fifth Plexus trip we earned, which was kind of crazy. Did, to think about. Did you just say you just said fifth? Yeah, the fifth one to Hawaii. We won like several trips, but the fifth one to Hawaii, which you know, oh, like I'm I a did. redneck from Arkansas, man. And I really thought Hawaii would be one of those once-in-a-lifetime kind of deals. You know, when I'm old and really can't get around and I go just to say, hey, I went to Hawaii. But uh, it was, uh, and it was just another phenomenal trip with the island Lanai, uh, the island that Larry Ellison owns like 97% of. And had a blast there and went to Maui. And uh, and I got to hang out with this old guy that lived in Alaska for 30 years and sit around the fire and tell stories. This Airbnb we stayed at, which was amazing. And uh, just a lot of little stuff there. Got to learn a lot uh, with some friends and talk and hang out. But um, just uh, the little Airbnb, which is really cool. I think one of those things that we did on the back in the trip, because I was kind of ready to come home. But Jessica added that extra. It seemed like we was in Hawaii for a month. But those Dude, extra days. Like it, you were gone for a while, man. I yeah. remember seeing pictures while you were traveling. Yeah, it was like, I think, 12 or 13 days. But the last part of the trip, this guy lived in Alaska for about 30 years and did all the hard stuff, lived, you know, where there was still, he was up there when snowmobiles kind of came before and after and got to hear stories about killing bears and, you know, going out and killing whales with the Eskimos and hanging out and just living that hard life. You know, I was really thinking, forged by fire, this guy's 83 and half his hand has got like frostbite on it. It looked like the golf, Mr. Deeds. And, uh, and I'm, sitting, I'm sitting there thinking, but he was really cool and humble. The reason I found this out, he had a book I, I found in the cabin. It was about his life, and I read about half of it. 
So that was just one of those kind of, you get to meet somebody that has a lot of life experience. It's not, hey, look at me, but I read the stories and I started asking him because he came out and hung out with us a little bit by the fire and the kids were there, you know, telling some stuff and, and you know, but I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff about being in Alaska. What was the biggest takeaway from him? Did he, did you take any life lessons away or, or something big? I really kind of, kind of went back to John Eldridge, back to about live the adventure, man. Cause he was from West Virginia and they watched this show about Alaska. It came out in the six early sixties and, and they volunteered to be teachers and went to, uh, as a Bureau of Indian Affairs, I think, you know, took a really cheap job and went up there and started kind of getting further and further out and, uh, you know, into the wilderness kind of first kind of those things. And I'm like, hey, him and his wife did this. And they came back and got a master's like, hey, I hate the lower 48 around being around people. So I'm going to go back. And uh, and to the, the thing about the government, he worked for the, them. He worked for the National Park Service and the Bureau of Indian Affairs didn't want him to assimilate with the Indians you know, the native people there and they kind of like say, Hey, don't do that. But he wasn't like that. He was out there killing caribou with them, killing whales with them and doing all the stuff. And I think, you know, I thought that was just a kind of a cool thing to live in that adventure. And with his wife, him and his wife did a 1200 mile dog sled around Alaska, not for the race, just did it because they went and explored all of Alaska that way, which I thought was just crazy. I had a buddy who lived in Alaska and he said that there's parts of Alaska that, it's cool to think about that if you stepped on a piece of land, that might be the first time that land has ever felt a foot. Like yeah. there's parts of Alaska that have never been touched. That's how big Alaska is. So I'm going to Alaska next year. It's my what? Yeah. Next summer we're going to Alaska, taking the kids. I might not ever come back. What part of Alaska? Well, we're going to go for a few weeks. I, I want to go place. I want to go really bad. It's Katmai. It's where you see the the bears cat grabbing the fish with their hands, and uh, there's like he said he went to Katmai one time. He was seen like 240 bears, and uh, at one time I really want to go there. And uh, Jessica's got some places she wants to go, and just kind of was in there, you know, deciding. Uh, we'll probably fight over some of that, you know. She want to go to the more tourist places. I want to go to the middle of nowhere, but she wants to she wants to glamp, not camp. I don't think she really wants to camp or glamp. I think it's more like I want to stay in a, a nice hotel bed. It's warm. Dude, that, dude, that's really cool, man. Dude, didn't you uh, didn't you have a birthday since we last did our podcast? Well, I turned, I guess, 29 or actually 40. You know, had my 40th birthday party, which you came up to. And, man, just had a – man, I was talking about those times you feel loved. I had friends come from, like, three or four states and – friends from all over the state come and hang out and just uh had a blast uh we watched the razorbacks lose we had a lot of lot some live music though and good food and good friends and just got to hang out with a bunch of uh good people and it's one of those things just you know just, it's cool to feel loved and celebrated that night and just uh, excited about all the stuff going on and seeing you know seeing seeing the seeing the things you forget about sometimes and having memories and people i haven't seen in forever Dude, it was very cool to be there, man. You uh, having all the people from all the different states. Uh, one of our mutual buddies that uh, did I like being around too is uh, Heath, and so uh, I had a great time as well. And being able to share that 40th birthday with you, dude, it seems like uh, time is flying. I mean, we started Forge by Fire podcast, and then now what? We're a year, 
a year and a half in. Is that where is that where we're at? Oh, probably yeah, probably a little bit yeah, probably more than that. I don't. I mean, it seems like forever. I feel I'm like I'm getting old. You know, seems like our, you know our friendship keeps getting old. I feel like we've been friends forever though. So that's one of those hard things too. I agree, man. And dude, I think that's what's really cool to be able to link up with you and just talk life. I think every time I get together with Rob Hefley, I get to, um, you know, just talk about life and how to get better and how to be a better father, a better friend, you know, a better husband. Uh, That's super important to me. And I think when we get in here and share that, man, and hopefully our listeners, they can listen to us as well and glean from some of the same, the same, some of the same conversations we have. I'll tell you the truth, man. I was, uh, cruising back from Disney World, which was a crazy trip. Essentially, it was like a trip to Afghanistan, man. It was so hot. But on the way back, I listened to two of our own podcasts. And man, listening to them, Rob, there was parts of the podcast that I said, am I doing that? One of them was about living out your advice. And it caused me to self-reflect and say, man, am I really doing that? Because I think Every day we need to be pushing ourselves to be better. And when we're not, you know, kind of the topic of what we're going to be talking about today is complacency. And man, I really inspired me. I was like, that's when I texted you. And I was like, dude, we got to get back on the podcast and uh, be trying to grow every day. And tell me a little bit. I mean, like you went to, since we've been on here, man, you've been to Disney World, which, you know, I feel like just because we love our kids, we go to Disney World. Then you went to Guatemala, Costa Rica, you've been, was it Colorado training? I mean, yeah. tell me, get, yeah, get me out of your grid corners, kind of where, you know, where you've been at, you know, where you're at now. I mean, we talk about it, Rob. I think what happens is, you know, if the devil can't make it bad, he'll make it busy. And I, I've been walking that fine line lately. Uh, we've been doing a lot of stuff. I, uh, I had a real cool win for our business of S7 Tactical. We taught the Arkansas Border Realtors self-defense. You know, it's something they're very passionate about is situational awareness and self-defense strategies, how to keep people safe. I mean, we're living in a fallen world where people are getting hurt daily. And some of it, I believe, is we have a choice. And with training, we can have a choice. Some people walk around don't have a choice at all. So really cool experience to teach realtors. Realtors are in a unique position where they're, they're going into – an unknown environment that they can't really avoid within close proximity of somebody they don't know. And so to build a real cool protective strategy for them, that was a big win. Um, Dude, I taught in Atlanta. I got to fly out and teach in Atlanta. I meet some of those people. We taught um, kind of active shooter, um, situational awareness, and kind of de-escalation techniques. And then I'm going to Colorado soon. Uh, next month I'll be flying out to Colorado. So I've just been, man, I've been turning, uh, went to Costa Rica, went to Guatemala with my wife. Um, she works, uh, a company kind of like your wife and she ended up going on a company trip to Guatemala and I got to go with her. So it was very cool. I got to, I want to interrupt you really quick just cause I had this kind of really cool thing. You know, my wife, Jessica, she's starting her own podcast. JessicaHeffley.com is coming up. But she said she wanted to interview Ryan Stevens to talk about self-awareness and and about uh, just uh, 
that part because you remember the story she told you about you know, I think it was Mayflower where the lady got abducted and about that thing about about escape and evasion about to do it immediately and those things and I thought it was pretty cool because I was sitting there asking her like who do you want to have you know as far as guests and she's like Ron Stevens she didn't say Rob Heffley she said Ron Stevens and I started Man, I started laughing I was like, I was like oh, thanks babe you know you want to have my friend but not your husband but uh, yeah come on dude yeah. I humbly appreciate that man that's something that I would be very passionate to talk about man and I'm excited for her I think we on this life uh, we're, we're living out this life one time Rob right and I think that we we got to go for our dreams and I hope our listeners the people that hop on I think there's not very many people that speak positive life into people very often. I mean, in, in my realm, you know, I have a really good group of friends. I have a guy like you and I have awesome people in my life that are always speaking life into people. But in general, I think what happens, we turn on the news, we have negative, a lot of negative influences just bombarding us. And so hopefully our listeners, you know, turn on the podcast, they're driving down the freeway and they listen and they can say, you know what? These guys are speaking life into me to move about my dream, just like your wife. You know, she's, you know, she wants to start a podcast brand, something and run with it. Guess what? That's what she does. And I think, man, you and I are average dudes, Rob. (laughs) We are average dudes that jack up a lot, but we, I think we live a unique lifestyle that we can share with others. And hopefully that inspires some folks. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, too. JessicaHeffley.com, now you owe me money to sponsor our podcast here. So, I'm going to give you a shout-out. Now, I love my wife wife proud of her. I'll give her a hard time about that later. But uh, maybe she'll listen. We'll see if she's listening or not. Uh, You know, sit there. But, you know, you got to go to Costa Rica, too. I'm actually going to that house, I think, in November for Thanksgiving, which I'm excited about. Dude, let me tell you something real quick, if you don't mind. Costa Rica is one of the coolest places. If you ever get a chance to go to Costa Rica, or listeners, man, it is amazing. It's just a super clean country, pretty safe in general. Anytime you travel overseas, you got to be aware, but it's safer than most. Like we flew into Guatemala, dude. It was I was flying into a third world country. It was pretty gangster. But Costa Rica, super friendly. Tourism is the number one revenue generator in that country. And the people were so nice. We stayed at that villa, the same one that you're going to stay at. They have their own servants there, uh, cooks, and people help you out. Do we, we got to ride on a catamaran. I didn't even know what a catamaran was. You know, this big boat. We ended up making friends with the owner. Dude, you're, you're a Marine, dude. I thought you were on catamarans everywhere around the world. That's where I thought they took you. you shut <laughs> your mouth, you. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we attack beaches via catamarans. You guys are on your pontoon out there. <laughs> Given the yeah. ar- army gave to you is like 40 years old. That's exactly about to sink. We, we, we stormed the beach in kayaks. Uh, that's what, that's but, the um, truth. But Costa Rica was beautiful. We went to this uh, unique beach called uh, Playa Conchel, Playa da Conchel, I think it was called. And what it is, it's uh, a beach that's made out of shells. So, but it looks like sand, but if you pick it up, it's not coarse and sharp. So there, it's super unique and beautiful. It's one of the only beaches like this in the world. So on the right of the beach is all sand. On the left of the beach is all sand. And you can't drive to this place. You have to walk or horseback there. And when you get there, the ocean 
the currents churn this shell, which makes them smooth and throws it up on the beach. And this whole beach is like fine shells. It's so unique. The water is super blue. It was a once in a lifetime, uh, trip with my wife and man, we bonded together. We got to spend some great quality time. You know, I'm always turning. I never get to stop. And so that was finally a time that I got to relax and do some of that soul care you talk about. Man, I'm really, I'm really glad. I'm really glad you went there. I'm really glad you went to Guatemala, you know, Guatemala and Costa Rica for both. And just because I know for you to slow down, I told you not to do anything. And uh, just to chill out for a minute, let your mind like, you know, let your body and your mind kind of sync up. That's uh, a... Uh, it's one of those things hard to do. But today, man, let's get to our topic really quick. And because uh, I know me and you like talk about this forever because, you know, catching up is always fun. But, man, the topic of complacency, because I feel like a lot of my times in my life, this is like the easy place to fall back into. It's kind of like the idle. You know, you're, you've got your foot on the gas, or your foot on the brake, but it's kind of like... I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of idling alone, you know, complacent. I'm good. You know, I'm still moving forward, but I'm not moving forward very fast. Or I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just, I'm doing enough probably not to be seen as not being unhealthy, you know, in all areas yeah. of my life. But it's kind of like, Hey, this is, this is kind of where it's at. I'm going to, I think it's just, Hey, this is what I've got. This is what I get. And I'm fine with it. Yeah. I think what happens, complacency is like a cancer. I think what happens is we live life. And there's this small sickness that starts to happen where we're like, yeah, this is my life. This is what it is. Or it could be health uh, for me right now, my diet. I think it could be this small sickness that creeps in. And if we don't attack it early, it starts to grow and be this cancer that takes over our life. And it's, I mean, it's huge. Complacency is opposite of success, in my opinion. And I think if it, like I said, I think if we don't attack it early and don't recognize it, it could consume a person. And believe it or not, when I start having conversations with people, I'll start to hear the complacency come out. They'll verbalize the complacency. And it's definitely something that I think we as men and business owners, we have to be aware of. We have to be aware of the complacency. And what you just said, man, complacency this is the one statement I think complacency comes. It is what it is. When somebody says that to me, it derives me insane. I'm like, it's it, not, is what it, is. it is what it is. But it's like, if it's, it don't have to be, if you want to change it, you can change it. It's up to you. You know, is it, is what it is. I was like, no, that's not final answer for me. If you know, sit there that's, when stuff I you have control that. over, but you know, people say that and I just get really, I get upset about it. I'm like, Hey, no, no, that can't be take ownership of where you're at. You know, cause one thing, my health, man, just has not been the best. Uh, I think since, you know, you made me, like, guilted me into doing Murph, you know, I went to the ortho, went through rehab, you know, I'm getting two MRIs next week, you know. Um, it's not, but my health-wise, was, I was kind of out of sight, out of mind. I didn't want to know how bad my health was, you know, physically. But it was like, hey, I can take ownership and change this, either have surgery, get better, do what I need to do. Or I can sit there and keep suffering and keep feeling pain and kind of going back and forth. But that's all up to me, you know, sit there. I had to make that choice. And, uh, but, you know, it's not, and the, the things that I can control, you know, there's some things that, you know, that my external, 
environment I can't control, but hey, I can sit there and make appointments and go see the specialist, you know, go see my doctor, get the stuff and see what's wrong physically. I can change that, you know, complacency. I, 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 if I want to be able to walk when, uh, when I'm an old man, I, I got to do something about it. But uh, I think what you, I think you said something's very powerful. You said that you didn't want to know. I think that's part of complacency, isn't it? It's like a subsection of complacency. Is uh, yeah, out of sight, out of mind. That, 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 yeah, that I don't want to know. Like, uh, I, what's your weight? I don't want to know. You know, um, what could it be like outside of your current job? I don't want to know. Uh, how bad is it? Your health? I don't want to know. And so I think that's part of complacency. You know, it's really funny. Uh, we texted each other and he said, Hey dude, let's talk about this topic. And I said, man, it's a great topic and actually pulled up. What is complacency? Uh, Rob, what in your definition, what is in your own definition? What is complacency? And I really think about this a lot because I feel like I live it a lot. You know, um, the word, you know, like Webster's dictionary, self-satisfaction when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers and deficiencies. And self-satisfaction, like, hey, I'm, I'm good where I'm at. I'm comfortable where I'm at. I don't need to know what's going on. It's like, hey, I'm in this little bitty building and there's people outside. It might shoot at me, might kill me. I'm okay, though, right now. <laughs> Instead of doing something about it, it's like, hey, I got a chance to go to dig my foxhole, but I'm just going to lay here because I don't want to work. What, what about self-satisfaction with work? I think that's a big killer when it comes to success is, hey, I'm good. You know, I hear that. I'm good. I don't feel like I, you know, this is where I need to be. I'm good. Like there's no desire for growth. You know, Jim Rome, I talk about him a lot. Uh, R O H N, the self help guru. He says that we're not a tree. A tree grows up. Guess what's got to be? A tree. You know, when it's planted, it grows in the same spot. You know, he says, you don't have to be that. You can change anything. That's what I like about Jim Rome. He, he's so inspirational. He says you could travel all the way down, almost to the finish line of the wrong road. But right before the finish line, if you turn around and take one step, what do you want? The road to success. Yeah. And so you can change that. And so what happens, I think it's just this self-satisfying, I'm, I'm satisfied with it. And if it's satisfied through unawareness or your own deficiencies, that's a problem. A lot of things we could talk about complacency as well is safety. You know, you can be you can be uh, complacency when it com- be complacent when it comes to your safety. And I see that a lot in the realm that I work, Rob. It's super important, not only just for your health, for your family, for your marriage, for your kids. Complacency is a huge topic for men or or women. That, that, that needs to be attacked. And I think it needs to be attacked in a full frontal assault. It has to be something that has to be in the front of your mind and has to be attacked, whatever your topic is. Well, just think, I think about, you know, all the things that you train, whether it be hand to hand or whether it be handgun or just, you know, just, you know, self-awareness. If you don't like my wife, I was like, you have to go take a uh, concealed carry class. I think in the last two weeks, I've showed her how to sit there, how to rack a shell two different times. And she has an LC9 where it says gun is loaded. It says that on top of, you know, like you rack it. And I was like, because she goes places by herself. I was like, hey, do not put one in the chamber until, you know, 
sit there you get to the place you're going to like say you know center showing this thing but it's like i was like the thing about it is like she's complacent with that until she thinks she needs it is what she's like if you're not training if you're not front you know front, i was like you know i told her i was like hey i'm about to take your pistol away from me not let you use it now you take it anywhere until you do this because you know it's like that hey you've got to feel this a little bit because that that part of if you don't know what you're doing somebody's going to take it away from me use it on you and uh and I think too, you know, we get we get so used to like the safety part of it. I think you know, I haven't been robbed. Nobody's taken my house. You know, I leave my house and lock my car unlocked or whatever, until something happens. Usually bad uh, for those things. And complacency, I and mean, not just from safety, but also like you know, with our health, uh, with our marriage. A lot of times, we like you said, a cancer was a really good way to put it. It's kind of a really extreme part, but we don't do something about it until it's you know causing us pain until we really feel it, you know, our health, like our blood pressure is so high, you know, we feel the physical or, or we go sit there, you know, something's wrong. We're not feeling good. We can't operate quite right. Or our marriage, you know, our spouse is completely, unha- you know, explodes on us. Like, Hey, everything was fine. I thought, you know, but you know, you're coming home and not talking to your wife and doing your own thing and too busy not being intentional. But all those things, I think, you know, complacency comes back to, it's like, Hey, all these things that have to be, forward facing and have to be to recognize it whether it be getting on the scale going to the doctor whether it be facing your in your wife or you know facing your boss or sitting there you know saying hey i'm not scared but the self-satisfaction uh it's so easy to get comfortable i think that part of it because it's just easy and you know people like their jobs they dial it in every day because okay this is easy i don't have to do anything i'm going to do the minimum and and that's like that's not the way to live life Dude, the minimum's never the way to live life. You know, a little something. Well, first, let me say something. When I was listening to you, something that kept was a reoccurring term that I was hearing is it's not a problem until it's a problem. That's what I kept hearing. And I would say this to our listeners and to myself. Anytime I give advice, I want everybody to know when I, when I give advice, uh, I'm no expert. I'm giving it to myself. but. When I was listening to you, this is what I took from it. Change before you have to. Change before you have to. Right? You fight with my wife. Why didn't I change prior? Health. Waited until it's a big health issue. Now I change. You see that all the time. People living this life, unhealthy life. You know, we're digging our graves with our teeth. And then now it's an issue. Now I have to change. Uh, I tell people all the time, come see me at an inspiration, not desperation. What I mean is come, come to my training. Come, come to my training for inspiration. Ryan, I want to shoot like you. I want to fight like you. I want to be this safe versus out of desperation. Ryan, I was robbed at gunpoint. I never want that to happen again. Ryan, somebody broke into my home. I was unable to protect my family. That's desperation. Change before you have to is what I was taking from your comments. I think it's important. One, put it on the radar. And two, take action before you have to take action. Right. I think uh, one of the things, too, we talked about this a little bit beforehand. A lot of people don't know what to do or, or like Mr. Google and they'll try to do it on their own. First of all, you need to do this with somebody else. Sometimes, you know, if you have a good friend that can help you out. But if you're like me, what I've, what I've, what I've realized, money well spent is for a coach, whether it be in health, whether it be a life coach, a business coach. You're like, Rob, that's not. I don't, I can't afford that. There's like every level of those. There's people you can get a coach. You can go to CrossFit class and get a coach every class. Like I can't afford that. I was like, okay, you can, 
illness is way more expensive than wellness. So, you know, those things, preventative health, you know, the same thing. You can pay Ron mm-hmm. for lessons. You learn how to shoot. You know, he has classes. There has, there's all these things, you know, a business coach, me and Jessica use business coaches, you know, sit there. We, we're doing, we're still doing very well, but what happens is they level us up. Life coaches I have a life coach that I meet with at completely. I kind of, a lot of stuff I know I need to do, but they kind of get me on point, on focus, kind of back aligned to where I want to go. Same thing. I hired a fitness coach, which I know a lot of the stuff, but they're professional and they don't let me get a buy with anything. Like I was about crawling out of the gym the other day. And, and this takes time and takes money. But if I want to see change, like real change, really fast, exponentially, get an expert. Get somebody that's done it. Don't, you know... You know, don't have a you know, don't have a health coach that you know that sits there that's completely out of shape. Have somebody that looks like the way you want to look. You know, somebody that can't shoot, telling you know, armchair quarterback. You know, and in combat, you Chuck Norris on the side there. No, find somebody like you know, like Ryan that can sit there and can beat you three ways to Sunday. Is those things find the expert. You know, what happens is there's every level expert too. There's some people you know that, and sometimes people do this because they love to share their knowledge. Sometimes you don't. Be near as costly, but I think that that investment in yourself is always worth it. But I'm really a huge, you know, if you want to kind of get yourself like shaken out of that place, um, it's a good way to do it. And I like that because I'm almost people, I'm not like, you know, put your toe in the water. I'm like, I'm diving the deep end and getting completely. That's what, that's what I love about, that's what I love about you, buddy. Um, so question for you is what, what makes the coach so successful then? What, what's different than anybody else? Like what makes the coach that pulls you out and puts you on the path of success and just ratif- ratifies complacency? I think what happens is it cuts all the BS out of the relationship. Like, I mean, you have that kind of relationship and friendship we can tell truth to and we don't want to disappoint each other. But what happens is when you have a, somebody that you're paying, you're, you're investing your time and your money into someone that has an expertise to sit there and say, Hey, this is where you're at. They're going to ask you questions about where you're at and do kind of almost an evaluation, you know, point a, and here's point B where you want to go to point a to point B is like, Hey, I'm going to line the shortest way to get there, the most efficient way to get there and do it and tell you how to get there. Whether it be say, for instance, is losing weight. They'll have a diet, exercise, water, you know, all those things. And there's accountability that you're paying for that you're not doing on yourself. Because what happens is, yeah, I can do that myself. And what happens is, why haven't you been doing it yourself? A lot of times, if you, you people can start with the coach and then go on their own, but they, a lot of times they need that. They need that nudge. They need that accountability to get up at 5 a.m. You know, sometimes it go, can go to abandoned brothers. You have those within your abandoned brothers. And uh, you have to find that where, you know, people is going to really push you. And what happens is, if there's no accountability in your life, you're not going to change. And then what happens is you're paying for accountability. That's what coaching really is, more than anything, in their, in their expertise. You know, you you asked me last night. You said, "What what can someone do to beat complacency?" I think was the question, and it's really funny. I wrote down. I said, "You need somebody who's brutally honest, but that person who's brutally honest needs to be a loving friend that has your best interests at heart." like you and Trip Leach, my business partner, you guys can tell me anything and I know it's coming from your heart and it has my best interest. 
you know, at, at heart as well, right? It's at the it's at the forefront. Because I think if anybody's brutally honest, I mean, you walk down the street and some guys are like, "Hey, fat ass," you know, <laughs> it'll cause a fight, you know. But I think if your friend comes up and he's like, uh, "You're somebody who's brutally honest," like, "Hey, dude." Looks like you're three months pregnant with a food baby. <laughs> but I know that it's true. Yeah, that's right. That I, you know it's true, and you know it's coming from their heart. I think that brutal, honest, because part of complacency we talked about it is the unawareness, the self satisfaction with I'm okay with not knowing, or I'm okay with my um, deficiencies. That's the definition, right? So the unaware part is a brutally honest friend telling you you're deficient in this point. This is where you need to go. Or like you're walking off your spiritual path, Ryan, you need to get back and start reading the good book or Ryan, you're getting out of shape. You need to get back and start on the grind. When you have that brutally honest friend that has your best interest at heart, man, I think that's the best way to be complacency unless you're just super gangster discipline which a lot of us are not even in business, right? So you get complacent in business. You need somebody to say, this is what's going wrong. This is how you need to fix it because they're seeing it from 10,000 feet. You're seeing it from band at level. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, this is kind of a, I know some of you guys, when I say this, you're going to like almost like turn me off, but my wife, I love her to death. And she's came out of this place of like a scarcity mindset. In my, in my life, I've always like believed, even when I was like in debt to my eyeballs and never had nothing that, hey, this is not the life I'm going to live forever. You know, I'm going to live a life of abundance, not like, you know, prosperity gospel, but I'm, I'm going to have what I need. But this year has been the first year that she's realized that she, we're going to, you know, move from seven figures to eight figure income and that, you know, that she believed that. And what happens is, you know, it's kind of that worthiness. You do, do you really think I'm a, I'm worthy of that or I deserve that? You know, that part, it goes back to that. But living that part where you say, hey, uh, you know, not that I deserve that, but I got to work there to get there. But, you know, that whole thing is like, hey, it's possible. And but in those sitting there, like, how do I get there? Got to get there with having a coach, having other, you know, streams of income, whatever it is you're doing. But, you know, you have to really believe yourself that first part of going saying, hey, that, that it is possible that I can do that. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for her to believe those things and sit there and go for it and go after it. But, uh, you know, sitting there thinking about, you know, all these different things, you know, whether, you know, it's your your friends, your your expert, whatever you're paying your coach is, you know, complacency. You know, it's not one of those places you see men, men isolate when they become complacent. They will a lot of times avoid their friends. They will avoid people. They will avoid people that are overweight will avoid pictures. They don't want to be in pictures. Uh, you know, you see, that's one of those things, not even just females, but male, you know, like, I don't, you know, they're getting them back or now I don't get a picture of me, you know, all those things. And I think about that, how we avoid that stuff or they avoid the topics, the hard man, topics. That is, that's such a good point right there. Why do we do that? Why do we avoid it? Because it's uncomfortable, man. It, it really is. It's like, you know, one of those things I do, and I do this often, and this, this is going to sound as vain as it gets to getting on the scale, look at the scale, but look in the mirror naked and say, hey, I am a fat POS that I need to go out and work out. It's just a reminder. 
you know, it's like a true, it's, there's like, there's no, there's no, like, you know, we don't have any like a uh, carnival mirrors at our house. They tell the truth, all the imperfections. And, uh, you know, that's just the truth, you know, sitting in the scale, the scales don't lie, man. You know, gravity is the same. So I just, <laughs> that, that part's, it's a truth teller. So you think, you think the advice to our listeners should be that you need to be brutally honest with yourself or have someone that's brutally honest with you. So like a good example is go to your wife and say, how am I being as a husband? Or, you know, to a good friend, tell me for real how, whatever your topic is, it could be anything. I'm, I mean, we're talking complacency covers the whole bandwidth. Would you agree? Marriage, finances, fitness, safety. I mean, complacency. I think it's one of them. To be honest, Rob, now that we're talking about this in the podcast, I think it's probably one of the most neglected topics is men. Is complacency. Well, well, here's what happens. Men, we have this thing called pride every day after they get shower to wash it off. Did you just say I've, the I've, yeah, I've, got, I've, like, I've got this. I can handle this. You know, and like same thing. I've got this. Like, you have people over to hand in combat. Like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, you can fight when you're 18 years old, but I'm 40 now. I'm not going to fight. I'm going to shoot you. I'm sitting there. You know, those things is the older you get wiser too. But you know, the, the pride things, I can do this. I can handle this. Like, you, you know, you ran a half marathon, you know, 10 years ago. You probably you can't, you can't even run to the fridge right now. The, the complacency part, here's one thing too. When you ask somebody to speak into your life, you better have some thick skin because, you know, some people I'm not, I would, don't ask the self-righteous person. Ask somebody that loves you and cares about you, but wants to tell you the truth. And sometimes, you know, people we don't have, we have those all those yes people in our lives that don't tell us the truth. And that I breeds not don't. a good thing either. So you need truth tellers that, you know, they still love you. And the sandwich is like, hey, let's go to the gym after they tell you, you know, that you need to go to the gym. Not, you know, say, hey, you're just fat and you're horrible. And, you know, you need the truth tellers that, that really tell you the truth. And, and sometimes, you know, our spouses are not going to tell us the truth until it's so bad, you know, like, hey, you know, how, how are things in like kind of sugarcoat because they're afraid of our reaction because we've not handled it good in the past and they've told us the truth. Like, and we'll sit not take ownership. And I'm, I'm just as bad. Like I'll sit there, probably one of my hardest things in the last 10 years of marriage is taking ownership. Well, Jessica tell me something and I'm like, and I'll explain my way out of it. I'm like, well, if you'd done this, I would have been that way. If you would have done this and no, I have to own my own actions in my own reactions because that's the only thing I can really take, you know, I can't make her change to mold her to what I want her to be, you know, even though I'd like to be, but I can't do that. Man, dude, complacency is such a big topic. I think you're right about it right there. It's taking ownership. But sometimes we can't take ownership of what we don't know. You know, I think there's this thing that I talk about during training called the unconscious incompetence and incompetence is not a bad word. It just means you don't know. You don't know. Good example is like we'll train, uh, tactics like responsive tactics, uh, like arm tactics for like active shooter or entering a building and people will have a certain way that they were trained. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just might be outdated or there might be a better way and they just don't know. So same thing in life. I just don't know. I'm unconscious, incompetent, and I think we want to move people, to include myself and probably you as well, to the conscious incompetent, meaning we now know what we don't know, 
And then that's super powerful because now we could start to fix it. You know, like a lot of firearm safety issues, we say complacency kills. It was actually, um, for all my military veterans that are listening, the one, if you were there in 2004, I think it was 2004, there was a base, like a combat operating base called MEK, uh, M-E-K. It was in Camp Fallujah. And when you left the back, I think it was the back gate or the west gate, I'm not really sure. But it was one of the gates when you left, it said complacency kills. And it's the same thing. It's, you know, we have to make sure that we're aware of what we need to fix or aware what's going to hurt us. Same thing with firearm safety, uh, safety. Complacency will kill. So we have to take people from unconscious, incompetent to conscious, competent or conscious, incompetent. Now we, now we know what we don't know. Yeah. There's one of those things that, you're bringing up a lot of ideas right now about my my life coach talks about this a lot being a conscious creator of those things but there's also like a there's a part of you know it comes about the four steps of accountability and we talk about this often because i have to have to listen to this and read it over and his the four steps of accountability i'm gonna read these to you guys it says recognize it's never about the other person or situation how do i contribute to cause create or allow this what is my specific lesson or lessons here? And what am I committed to moving forward? When you become accountable to something, there's a, there's an awareness that comes about, you know, how am I going to change this? You know, what am I learning from this? And a lot of times what happens is the victim mentality, the first one, the victim mentality is like, hey, this is about the other person. It's my wife, my boss, all those things. You know, we sit there and blame everybody, but look in the mirror. Then the next question, you know, that, that accountability comes like, how do I contribute to, what am I doing to contribute to this? You know, am I doing the cause or creator, you know, what am I doing to allow this? And those so many times that, you know, you get past that victim mentality. And then what am I learning about this? What is my specific lesson that I don't want to feel this way ever again? Or I don't want to go here again, you know, whatever that is. And the next thing, what am I doing committed to moving forward? What am I really doing to move forward to change this? And that's what we can really, you know, be different. It's four steps of accountability, Preston Pugmire. Like, you know, he he asks me these questions all the time because, you know, I like blame somebody else. Dang, man, that's really powerful, dude. I think uh, being aware, right? So listen to what you're saying, being aware, identifying what it causes, and then making action, right? Almost like a, it's almost like a combat plan, right? Finding out what the enemy is. What's their capabilities and how am I going to correct it? How am I going to defeat it? What happens you know what's really is, fun? Yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, I just think that um, when we talk about this stuff, complacency is such a big topic, but I don't think it's discussed very much because we don't like the negative parts of our life. We want to look good. We want to be good. We want to be successful. But there's not a lot of success in that good realm. So when you go to the bad realm, and look at it and start pulling out the things for change. I think we, a lot of our listeners probably, and you and I, we know this stuff, but we don't apply it. And that's where I think, you know, the part of having a coach, because there's a paid accountability there. And you're like, why why do I want to do that? But like, hey, if you can't do it on your own, which a lot of times I can't, you know, there's a paid part. It's like, hey, 
you've got to show up. You're paying this person for their time. And, you know, there's going to be some requirements of you. And like, that's the part, too, is like, hey, that's, it makes it scary sometimes because they're an expert about something you have no clue about. Because have you ever seen the guy that goes to the gym for the first time who, you know, is doing something like crazy wrong that he might have saw on YouTube or whatever and about hurts himself, you know, and sit there, hey, pay, pay the coach that they – First, I'll be safe in that. Just go ahead and pay them that little extra money. And that way, they're not killing themselves in the gym or doing something crazy. Same thing with firearms. You know, somebody doesn't know what a magazine is, you know, you know, sit there, what, and where to point the pistol, you know, downrange, you know, when it's hot, you know, those things about, it's just, uh, it's not like you said, the incompetency. It's like, hey, just move them up to a level. And that's the thing, the part of it. But what happens here is so many people get stuck in that, that first step about victimhood. They blame, well, my parents never took me out to shoot. My parents never took me to, you know, karate class. My parents never did, you know, all those things that, uh, you know, it might not be the parents. My boss never lets me, you know, have any leeway. Or my, and I'm like, hey, what are you doing to change that? You know, what are you asking wow. for more? What are you doing? You know, you know, put that back on them. So what, what are you doing to be different? Because a lot of times, you know, hey, once, you know, one small change a week's huge in a year, you know, 52 changes, you know, a year. Um, but doing those things that sit there, but I'm saying that's why I think, you know, if you, if you really want to change, you know, find your band of brothers to help you change. But also, if you really want to change an area, and that's not, you know, getting coached up on area. I mean, why do you go to JITS uh, at different places and learn? Because they level you up because you're seeing something you haven't seen before. Man, I think you're right. I think, you know, getting a coach, I think, expedites your process. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the part, too, is like what happens is you don't have to have a coach for life or a coach, you know, for for seasons and things. I was like, you know, look at your life and there's something you're doing very well and you might not need a coach there. And there's a, at a level that you place you're going like, hey. But, hey, I want to go to the next level. And I talked about Jessica wanting to go from, you know, seven figures to eight figures, which is a huge jump. But, you know, first off, mentally it goes here. But, like, hey, you have a coach to go to those that gap to gap. You know, how am I going to sit there and close this gap to where I want to be at? And it's like having a God. So you're, you're paying for a God. Mm, I like that. Kind of like personal training, right? We say that personal training expedites your learning process. Because you could train to a group and you're not getting all the details of the individual. But if I do personal training or someone does personal training, then you can expedite to that person. So I think something for our listeners and for myself is that if you have a deficiency, right? Because that's, that's the definition, right? Of complacency is self-satisfaction to one of our deficiencies then what we need to do is we need to get a coach for that area. That coach can be a best friend or it could be a paid coach. That paid coach, there's more accountability. You've got skin in the game. But I think it expedites the learning process. And it could be with your marriage. You know, it could be financial coach. I know that, you know, you've went out and found a financial coach. I went out and found a firearm coach. I, I have a jujitsu coach. I think what happens is any part of your life that's deficient and you know the complacency, that small cancer is starting to creep in, you have to attack it. You have to bombard it. 
You have to cut it out of your life. And to do that, you can do it yourself, right? It's like trying to unscrew a Phillips head screwdriver with a wrench, a screw. You could get it done. It's going to be ugly. Or you could just go get a Phillips head screwdriver and make it a couple turns and it's loose. I think, so I think you have to find what your deficiency is, seek out that coach and and then and then jump jump completely out of the complacency pool. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's that's, that's the biggest part too. And sometimes it might just be for a season. Like me and Jessica are going to see um, our our marriage and family therapist that we actually started seeing. And I'm trying to think. It's like most of our marriage. I feel like, but it's not. That's not the truth. But he lives in Cersei. Man, he's he's like a healer. We're going like for a tune up this next week, which, you know, we've had it planned for months, which I'm excited, you know, but I'm going to hear some truth uh, about me. It's like, you know, I'm going to put the mirror, it's like putting the mirror on the relationship in my face. Like, Hey, this is, you know, and he's, he knows how to do it in love, knows how to do the right things, but we want to help our marriage. It's like a tune up, man. It's like getting your oil change and, uh, and those things that, Hey, how we keep running better and, uh, you know, keep that momentum going. And almost like I would say, like almost like a pit stop, you know, sit there in NASCAR where they're coming in for the fuel and they got, you know, sit there. It's like, hey, I have to have fuel. If I don't have fuel, I can't finish the race. And, uh, Man, and that's just like part, that of, you know, part of, you know, sometimes it's like that. And sometimes it's one of those things like, hey, you might need to go to a week long intensive for your marriage or you might not get, a, you know, go to a seminar to learn these things. Because what happens is I, I believe immersion too, you can go so much faster and you immerse yourself in it. And you can ask anybody that learns, learns a foreign language. When they go to a country, they learn it 10 times faster because they're in the middle of it, of experts doing something they want to do. But you just have to, you sit there, those things too. It's like, I, you know, I think there's a, an awareness that I don't want to remain here. Don't wait till it's like so bad that you can't, you know, it's causing pain in your life. Man, I think, Rob, check this out, dude. I just learned something. I think... You can't cure complacency. I think complacency is always there. Do you think it's our natural attentions or a natural, it's innate in us as men to take the easy route? Like, that's what we should do. That's where we all want to go is the easy route. Oh, man, I think the the society we built is like, hey, can we have the most comfortable bed, the most comfortable house, the most comfortable life, do the least amount possible. Have you ever seen that cartoon Wally? I think it's I think it's a Pixar Disney yeah. where uh-huh. the dude is like so fat that he can't even like sit up in his chair or butt in his jacket, you know, because everything's done for him. Like, you know, it's like he scoots around, you know, like all these people are like the same way, you know, like it's kind of mocking the way our world's becoming. It's like, hey, I don't know how to do this, but man, there is a there's a something about self reliance that I don't know that it makes me like come alive and you go outside and cut your own firewood and start your own fire when you sit there and eat the, something you've raised or, you know, something you've killed. And that's one, you know, next year I really want a garden. I actually started a compost pile, but I really, you know, when those things, little things like that. And I love sitting there when it's a deer that I've killed eating that. And my dad raises the beef that we eat and just, you know, those things about self-reliance that, Hey, that I did this or I had a part of it man it just feels good about it. you know you're part of something bigger and i think we become so complacent we become so comfortable you know self-satisfied you know that comfort that we have and um what, what what happens when we don't have that comfort and some people like 
I have, you know, certain friends, man, I love them to death, different things, but man, they don't want to be ever be uncomfortable, you know, and I'm most people, I, I, I like to be in the middle of nowhere doing nothing, you know, like, I'm kind of like, like, they're not my birthday party, the, for the ones that stayed really late, we ended up sitting outside by the fire at 5 a.m. in the morning, you know, like, I mean, I, I shut her down, like, just because I was like, that was what I like, being out looking at the stars, being a redneck, with the lights all turned off, as the fire rolling. That's it. I think um, the complacency piece is that we have to fight it daily. It's a constant enemy. I think if we have to focus, I mean, me and you and our listeners, we're all traveling through this life together, trying to be better fathers, husbands, and friends. I think complacency is a constant battle that will never be won. I think it's almost like pushing a rock uphill. Every time I'm, pu- I'm pushing a rock uphill, I got to continue pushing. And when I stop pushing, what happens? That rock starts to roll backwards. I think we got to continue to push it up the hill, push it up the hill. So Ryan, when's it going to stop? When is it going to end? It's not. I think anytime we stop, you think about sitting on the couch and not working out. That's the complacency piece. I'm okay. You know, my black belt says, um, you know, you have to earn your belt daily. You have to put in the work daily. And so I think that's the complacency piece is you got to continue to push a rock. I think you can't just take a seminar. One thing that I think we were talking about, we got to be clear with our listeners is that you can't just get a coach for one day. It's like going to a handgun seminar and then learning some basic skills or some advanced skills. It's actually all there's no such thing as advanced skills. It's the, it's the fundamentals applied in a different venue. But anyway, so you learn some skills and then now you say you're good. It's like going to concealed carry class and then saying, yeah, I'm ready to be in a gunfight. I think it's a constant battle that we have to do as a life. It's a lifestyle to battle complacency. I think I, I'm taking from that. I think I can, I can apply that in my life today when it comes to fitness. I think I'm starting to slide back on the complacency realm. I've let that rock roll back a couple turns and I need to start pushing it back up the hill. And that's the good part for our listeners. No matter how far they are in the complacency pool, how deep they are, they can start to swim to the top and start to swim towards the shallow end. Never getting out of the pool, homie. Well, but yeah. And here's one thing. Where, yeah. I think about this too is like, it's like, I really think I like in my life, I, I like I live in this fort that has about like a hexagon, you know, I'm working on one side, the spiritual man, I'd be really good for it for a while. Then I was like, I got to sit there same time. I got to be working on the financial. I got to be working on the marriage. I got to be working on the emotional. I got to be working on the kids. And like what happens is if I spend a hundred percent of my time at one of these, one of these other walls is getting taken down by the enemy. You know, and it's, it's sitting there, it's, it's deteriorating, it's getting attacked. But I was like, hey, I got to go over here and make sure this is taken care of because the balance of that is for me to keep my my home safe, my my world safe, my world, you know, balanced. Is like I got to sit there and focus and be intentional with time with all of these because when work takes away from my marriage too long, my marriage completely suffers. Same thing with the kids, same thing emotionally, physically. You know, health-wise, all those things is like, hey, I've got to sit there and be intentional with my time. And uh, and that's where, you know, same thing with self-care and that. If you're not even self-care, like all these collapse because you can't, you know, you can't give until you receive yourself. And that's where I just, you know, just challenge people to sit there and think about 
the big thing is really evaluate your life, where you're at, you know, what are you complacent about and what, what needs to change. And we all have areas. If somebody says, Hey, I'm good. I'm perfect. You know, that no. <laughs> they're lying to themselves. No, that's it's funny. What I've learned is when a guy comes and talks to me, whatever he says, it's the complete opposite. <laughs> you know, guys go, oh, I'm so good. Man, everything's so great right now. You're like, no, nah, no, it's not. Tell me for real. Well, that, and then that's, think, you know, that's that posing too, man. I think men are such easy to pose because, I mean, I think about it. There's a time at the range when me and you were shooting. You were showing me some stuff. And, like, you know, we're shooting a target. I think six meters. It wasn't very far. You know, and this guy comes up. He has, like, a new Glock 10 millimeter. If you're listening, I'm sorry, buddy. I don't know your name. But talked about being trained by SEAL Team 3. And I was like, uh, this is, you know, his posture before he even pulled his weapon out. It was kind of funny in a way. And you're, like, smiling. I was like, Ryan, don't, you know. Then uh, you kept shooting. You're sitting there showing me, and you're you're shooting offhanded and upside down and stuff like it. 65 yards the length of the range, and I'm like, this guy is having trouble like group on the target like at six, you know, and has a sweet sweet pistol with optics too. And I'm like, man, I was like, I'm not the worst person out here, which made me feel good about myself for a moment, you know. But then, but then he put his posture down though and asked for help, which I thought, man, this guy. That, I mean, I really, as I asked for help, asked you because he saw what you were doing over here, and and you helped him adjust his optics just a little bit, and you know, showed him just a couple of things, and like coached him up. And I think if men had learned how to do that, ask for help, and that's what asking for a coach is asking for help, being verbal, like, "Hey, I'm serious. I'm going to put my money and my time." And not also, you know, also the things you learn applying it, like you said, you just don't do it at one time. It, it, it comes application and, and mastery doesn't come from a seminar just for a week or a year. It comes from a lifetime of trying to get better at these things. Man, that's good. This is such a good topic, man. I think complacency is such a big anything. It could be firearms. It could be family, finances, your religion. It could be how are you with your kids? It could be your job performance. You know, there's so many things that, that we can have a brutal assessment uh, with complacency and try to get that sickness out of our soul is the complacency piece. You know, I had a couple questions to write down before we start to close out, Rob, was, I know how you did was the four steps. What was it called again? One more time. The four steps of accountability. I want to read them off. I'll post them on Facebook too. Um, I would like, I would like that. I would like to hear them one more time. And then I have questions that I wrote down uh, to try to pull people out of complacency as well. You know, cause people are very hesitant to get coaches because they think they don't want to look bad. Yeah. And that's I where mean, too, I like you can sit there, find somebody that, you know, is doing well with what they're doing sometimes and ask them, how they got that way. And a lot of times as a coach or they'll have somebody that's like, Hey, do you know somebody that could coach me? Sometimes they'll help, you know, volunteer for free, just give information because they love to share what they've learned. I've that's learned right. this. Um, but it's called the four steps of accountability. Uh, number one, recognize that is never about the other person or situation because that's really that's- the victimhood. Take the victimhood out of whatever's going on in your life. Don't be the victim. Don't do it. I number two, how do I contribute to cause, create, or allow this? And a lot of times, you know, sometimes we contribute, we don't know we're doing it. Or sometimes we caused it. Sometimes we created the whole scenario ourselves in our head. And sometimes, you know, we've just allowed it because we've sit there, you know, what you tolerate, you deserve. And don't, you know, learn not to allow this stuff in your life. You know, number two. Number three, what is my specific lesson or lessons here? Okay, like I've paid 
for some expensive lessons. And, uh, you know, right now I'm, I've been trying to buy two businesses for like four months, man, I've spent two or $3,000 on doing due diligence. What's what happens is that couple of thousands of dollars might save me an $8 million debt down the road, you know, sitting there's like, Hey, is this a good thing or a bad thing? You know, my specific lesson, what am I learning here? You know, what am I learning from this? What can I learn not to do the next time? Because that's when it's worth it. There's always a takeaway. Yeah. Would you agree? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's like, you know, in battle plans after you, you know, you know, after you sit there and come back, after you do the things and talk about what could you do better, what could you do different? What did you learn from? Yeah. And, uh, Welcome to the dojo. Yeah. And the last thing, what am I committed to moving forward? And that's really, you know, how do you want to, what are you going to commit to changing? When you write that down and hold to it, um, whether it be working out four times a week, whether it be sitting there, you know, going intentionally towards your spouse three times a week or, you know, whatever it is, you know, getting up every day, meditating every day, praying, every, you know, what are you committed to moving forward? And uh, sit there really, you know, making sure you're being clear and have clarity about that because that's how you change, just, you know, making the change and sit there and committing to it. Man, I love that. Man, please post that for our guys to see. That's awesome for me too. I appreciate you sharing that, buddy. And things for me, the last things that I would say uh, to our listeners is just be brutally honest with yourself. Ask, what can I be doing better today? What could I be doing better? There's always something. If you're so good at everything, then you're in that unconscious, incompetent state. There's always something you can work on. Mine right now that I'm, I, I need to bring into the uh, conscious incompetence right, is uh, uh, to my awareness piece is the fitness. I need to start working more on that. I've been, I've been tending to other parts of my wall of my cabin and that one's starting to fall. So I'm going to start working on that. But there's always a place in your life that you could be get being better finances or as a husband, as a father, the things that really matter in life, you know, your health matters how you treat your kids, that legacy, how you treat your wife, your finances, your financial stability. Where is it that you're lacking that you could take brutal on a brutal assessment and then start to make action? And then um, Rob hit the nail on the head, which was so good during this podcast, was seek out a coach, find somebody who is going to pull you out and look at things from 10,000 feet while you're down there at bayonet level. It works for the battlefield. It can work for you as well. Another thing to really, even a coach, but also like you might have a sage in your life that's been there, done that. It might be your father. Maybe not, you know, and finding somebody, you know, those people too will give advice a lot of times when they ask for, you know, know, not not somebody's like just trying to beat you down, but somebody you've seen that's been very successful and have people like that, you know, um, Pastor uh, Darren, you know, I chased him because, you know, I watched him father very well and uh, lead an organization. Those things that you, you learn from people like that, the sages too in your life, I think, you know, also, because a lot of times those guys want to share their information, you know, ch- I chase those people because they know and been there, done that. That's good, bro. Man, what a good episode. Rob, I think, um, man, complacency is such a big, huge, broad topic that can be applied to anywhere. And now that I'm thinking about it, it's just something that doesn't, is not talked about as much. 
I mean, we've been through a lot of seminars. We've been to some good camps. And I just think it's a topic that's not talked about. I think we kind of really pulled it out, opened it up, dissected it, and talked about some stuff. Hopefully our listeners took some value away from it and says, you know, they can make some assessments. But, man, the bottom line, I think the tagline is uh, complacency kills. And it and fix it before it has to be fixed. That's your marriage. That's your finances. That's your health. That's your how you father your kids. Your friendships. Fix it before it's a problem. It's not a problem until it's a problem. Fix it before it's a problem. You know. So so good, man. Rob, it was dude. So good to be back on the podcast with you, buddy. Hopefully, we're more consistent. I know some of that. Our lives are not. I wouldn't say the normal life. You and I are touch different states, different continents, doing some big things, serving other people, which I think is super important. But man, it's good to be back podcasting Forged by Fire, buddy. Oh yeah, I had a blast today, man. Ryan, take us out. You guys have a great week. Can't wait to get back on here again. From Rob and Ryan, Forged by Fire, out.